Hello, and welcome to the Locked On Cowboys podcast. I am Landon McCool. Uh, I am flying solo today, and no Marcus Mosier. That's why the odd, awkward uh, intro to the show, uh, not the normal, well-rehearsed, docile tones of Marcus Mosier. Marcus is out on assignment today, or at least that's what we always say when people can't make it to the podcast. Uh, and he is being replaced by another uh, podcast partner of mine. And if you've listened to the Best Coast Boys or are on Twitter or have any care about the Dallas Cowboys at all or read the Dallas Morning News, you definitely know my guest today. He is Dallas Morning News contributor John Owning. John, say hello to the people. Solo no more, Landon. I'm here to save the day. Hey, save the day, John, <laughs> is what they call it. <laughs> But uh, how's it going, everybody? You can find me on Twitter at John Owning, J-O-H-N-O-W-N-I-N-G, or read my work at the Dallas Morning News, dallasnews.com, slash sports, slash cowboys. And yeah, it's a it's a wonderful day out here in the Sacramento County area. Blue skies, the dogs are barking, the squirrels are chirping. Let's go. Let's, let's see what they have to say about some of the, uh, the moves the Cowboys <laughs> have made over the last few weeks. So... Uh, John has been really focused uh, on a lot of the coaching moves, free agency stuff. He's got a lot of great articles out um, that you guys should be definitely checking out, and he'll kind of reference a couple of those. Uh, but we're going to talk mostly today, uh, even though Senior Bowl starts tomorrow, we've done a whole bunch of Senior Bowl preview stuff. Uh, go back and check the previous days if you want some more coverage on there. We're going to talk a little bit more about some of the coaching hires that happened, uh, specifically so to new ones that have happened recently that are kind of breaking news. And then I wanted to get John's thoughts on the staff overall, and then we're going to talk a little bit about free agency and and draft and player acquisition a little bit down the road. I just kind of wanted to get a, a check-in from John so you guys can get a, a, another point of view here, uh, another smart Cowboys viewer point of view on what's going on uh, in Cowboys land. So uh, let's start with, with, with the new news. Uh, it's, it sounds like the Cowboys have made it official or, or making it official that they are hiring George Edwards to be the uh, linebackers coach uh, for uh, for Dallas. And, and he comes on over from Minnesota as the former defensive coordinator. Um John, you know, I know that you kind of looked into him a little bit, and 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 I and we've kind of I have I would assume have some familiarity overall just with Minnesota and their defense, and obviously coming from a Zimmer system. What what can you glean out of the the, the hiring of George uh, George Edwards, and what do you think it means for uh, a young linebacker core that had shown a lot of promise last season or the previous season and have seemingly kind of, you know, whether through injury or other reason, took a step back last year. I think it's great news. I mean, you and me were talking on Best Coast Boys the other day about how the having potentially McCurley be the uh, linebackers coach was a little bit worrisome because he'd never been a position coach yet in his coaching career. And that was a little bit worrisome for a team where their linebackers – uh, state to say took a giant step back last year in their effectiveness and productivity from a game-to-game, snap-to-snap basis. So it's good to be able to have a guy that has experience and that has a track record of developing good linebackers. I mean, it's difficult when you look back at his 
uh, tenure in Minnesota because Mike Zimmer is such a hands-on defensive coach as head coach. It's hard to parse how much credit Zimmer deserves versus how much credit Edwards deserves for what and or whose responsibilities was whose. But, I mean, if you look at Minnesota, you see that they did a fantastic job developing linebackers. I mean, look at it, what Eric Kendricks, arguably the best linebacker last year, if you look a lot of, about those grading services. And then um, Anthony Barr became a really good two-way guy, came – into the NFL mostly as kind of just a pass rusher, and they developed him into a decent guy in coverage to go with his pass rush and run defending ability. So it's a great sign for a linebacking crew that really needs a lot of work and a lot of development so that they can get back to their to the level they played two years ago. Yeah, uh, I, I agree that I think, you know, whatever happened in the locker room last season with uh, the, the linebackers coach and, and Chris Richard and, and uh, Jalen Smith and all that stuff. Whatever. I think it's safe to say that there was a pretty big personality clash between Bloom and the linebackers. Clearly. So whatever happened there, I mean, I think it's good that uh, it's going to be kind of cleaned out, we'll start fresh, got a new group in there. Obviously, George Edwards has some pretty serious skins in the wall. Anytime that you've got a, a former defense coordinator coming in as a position coach, uh, there's hu- humility there, but they also come into that room carrying a big stick. You know, they 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 yeah. clearly have uh, done this in the NFL at a high level, and uh, and having been, been a defensive coordinator, they're more than qualified to kind of step back into a role, uh, 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 you know, back into a, a role of, of a more position based uh, system. Uh, the other coach that got hired uh, was Chase Hazlitt. Now, if the name sounds familiar. Chase Hazlitt is the son of Jim Hazlitt. I know everyone is surprised to find a coach's son also being a coach in the NFL. What are the odds? Uh, but Chase Hazlitt, obviously, former uh, son of former uh, defensive coordinator and head coach Jim Hazlitt. Uh, I'm pretty sure Jim Hazlitt was the head coach for the Saints when Mike McCarthy was the offensive coordinator there. Uh, and now his son Chase comes over as a offensive quality control coach. Uh, these are the kind of coaches that uh, they usually are kind of they, – they, they kind of function in an advanced scouting uh, situation. They also usually uh, will uh, kind of take a look at larger trends in the NFL and make sure that the Cowboys are kind of on the right side of that sort of thing. Uh, you know, the, the, lots of guys have made their kind of start in the NFL in these kind of quality control loosely Mm -hmm. defined roles where they, you know, usually get assigned to special projects or that sort of thing. Wear a lot of hats. Yeah, exactly. Jim Haslett, just to be clear, was on that Mike McCarthy, what do you call that, off-season group, I guess? the 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 crew. The the crew, the the group that Mike McCarthy (laughs) assembled in his barn to kind of break down. Squad. Yeah, so so it's not surprising that Haslett was uh, brought in here. Uh, Any thoughts on this? I mean, he's kind of... A big unknown, so I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't know anything other than he's Jim Hazlitt's son. Yeah, I mean he has a background with tight ends. He was the tight ends coach at Mercer last year. Before that, he was a quality control assistant with Mississippi State. So I think this is just an ascending guy who's ascending up the coaching ranks. If all things go well, we won't know much about what he's doing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I would I would imagine that to be a pretty big disaster for us to find out exactly what Chase yeah. Hazlitt's doing. Okay, so we this is something that we hear about like if the Cowboys are in the playoffs, like Chase Hazlitt's doing a really good job advanced scouting the other teams' uh, wide receivers. It's a great 
he gives his teams great advanced scouting reports. Yeah, yeah so it's either like a case where he's doing a really good job or he's doing a really poor job, and that's probably yeah. the only time yeah. you're going to hear about him. Uh, okay, but, you know, I wanted to also get your thoughts on just kind of the overall coaching staff. I mean, uh, it, you know, uh, I, I think that I think that it's good overall to that. You know, what we've seen is kind of a steady uh, uh, improvement. I, I guess my thought process is my, my my opinion on this has been steady improvement. I guess is the way to look at it. You know, when Mike McCarthy got hired originally, uh, it was okay. He's got he's a coach with some skin in the walls. As far as former head coaches that have been Super Bowl winners, I feel like he's probably the best available because he's the closest to the game. As they started assembling the rest of that crew, John, like just kind of name some of your favorite hires they've made uh, so far, and and where you think they will make uh, the biggest uh, improvement, and 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 maybe a spot or two that you uh, are kind of still scratching your head about. The um, the one that I'm scratching my head about a little bit is still the one I think we talked about in the best. Coach mm-hmm. Boys one is the Lunda Wells hire a little yep. bit just because there's just not a lot about you don't know exactly what he did and you know with Evan Ingram he was that was his big coach but I think Evan Ingram is largely kind of the same guy he was when he came into the NFL I haven't seen like giant progression from him especially Lunda Wells comes from a, a offensive line background in the blocking department I haven't seen Ingram develop much in terms of a blocker I don't think. Rhett Allison has shown me much in terms of a blocker for the Giants, so I'm kind of a little a little iffy on the Lunda Wells hire. Not because I don't think he can be a good coach, I just don't think there's a ton of evidence that he's a great coach yet, just coming from an outside point of view. But um, and then one one hire that I'm really really excited about that I think is going kind of under the radar is Mar- Maurice Lundquist, the defensive backs coach. He came from uh, Texas A&M. He was the fifth highest paid defensive backs coach in college football last year. Comes with a lot of notoriety. Everywhere he goes, comes the people give stellar reviews of his work. If you go and if you want to go on my timeline on Twitter, I have posted a lot of videos from him from a clinic. Him talking about how communication is key. He's going to be. He's a lot about culture, leadership. He's a leader of men type of deal. I think he's. He's kind of similar to Chris Richard, how he's a player's coach, but I think he's much more, as me and Landon said on the Best Coast Boys podcast last week, that he's a he's more of a teacher. You can see that he really finds tunes. He no element is too small. He cares deeply about the details. Yeah, I think that all of those things that you said are, are all excellent points. Um, I, I have been really thrilled with uh, kind of you know we talked about briefly. At the time, the Kellen Moore hire, and and the I you know I think it kind of came in stages for us, but the idea that uh, you know he went uh, from is he going to be on the team to uh, he's on the team and now suddenly he's playing calls. And I I I'm yeah. I'm thinking uh, he's playing calls, calling plays. I, I think he's <laughs> he's probably playing calls too. Uh, I think he's you know. Uh, I think there's a, every opportunity for this to be a very special relationship. I, I mean, I, I don't, I, I hate to be like that. I, I don't want to come out just super rosy on this, but if if we take them at at face value, their comments about wanting to work with Kellen Moore, and and you know, look again, there is a little bit of, of proof here when you look back, and maybe he was fishing for this job in the first place, but 
Kel- of McCarthy mentioning Kellen Moore and, and uh, mm-hmm. all that good stuff. So I, I think that there is a- yeah talking about the RPO that he yeah the exactly little, the simple RPO off the inside. Yeah, zone I, I think that there you know there is an opportunity for these two to really work well together. So I, I'm excited to see uh, uh, exactly you know what this this. Uh, this turns up for this offense. And I, I think that I like, you know, some of the guys that I have question marks about are, are, are all kind of along the lines of what you talked about. The McClurley hire before we got George Edwards, the uh, Lunda Williams hire, just, I mean, the guys that are just a little, have unknown to them. I think Mo Linguist, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about a little bit. I mean, just there isn't a ton of experience there, but that doesn't mean these aren't bad. These are bad coaches, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that a lot of times the thing that makes people effective uh, position coaches is their ability to teach, and, yeah. and ability to teach is not something that's sensationalized on national yeah. media. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, mm-hmm. it's, and that's one thing I think they've really emphasized with a lot of their coaches. Really, outside of uh, Joe Philbin coaching the offensive line, is everybody else are regarded to as teachers, guy who love to teach the techniques, love to teach the craft. I mean, that's Jim Tonsula's calling card. That's uh, George Edwards's calling card. That's um, Skip Pete's calling yeah, card, all of them. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think Blasco is is, a, is is probably more known as a teacher type, as coming in mm-hmm. from uh, from uh, Cleveland uh, yeah. uh, and, and underneath that group. Uh, you know, I agree, and I think Tom Sula. You know, like the, that's a guy who, even though his history as a head coach and head co- as a defensive coordinator, I, I think once he got in, in, into that job, they realized, hey, the reason he was so good was because he was such a good position coach, because he was such a good yep. teacher. So. Uh, I'm excited to see all those guys kind of fill out that roster, see, see what they can do with some of these. You know, this is still a young team. There's lots of room for improvement uh, in all mm-hmm. these positions. So um, let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, I do want to talk about the uh, the free agent market a little bit. And, and the reason I, 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 I like to bring it in here is because as we have these conversations about uh, the Senior Bowl and about, you know, we're already hearing people talk about the Cowboys should uh, uh, trade down at 17. You know, it's uh, my point is is that it's never too early to be talking about player acquisition, I guess, if you're already trading mm-hmm. down uh, in the draft at, uh, at this early in the, uh, in, in the <laughs> game. So, um, but one of the things that I thought was important when you kind of look at off-season strategy for acquiring players, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's important to have in your mind exactly, you know, what you've got in free agency that when you kind of are figuring out how to attack different spots in the draft, right? Like, you know that you need to come out of here likely uh, with a, t- a defensive tackle. You're probably going to need to come out here with a safety. And depending on what you're doing, you may want to uh, – uh, Consider getting a tight end. You know, there's, there's, there's just a lot of, of positions that you could see them uh, attacking in the draft and in free agency. I know that you have been um, kind of looking into the free agent market a little bit, and specifically, seemingly at, in spots where the uh, where the Cowboys would be interested. If you, you know, and, and like I said, Marcus and I had kind of done this previously, but I wanted to get your thoughts here. How, what positions in free agency do you feel like are ripe for pillaging? And, and which, which positions do you feel like 
the Cowboys would be better served to try to find their answer in the draft. Well, the one the main position that I think is is ripe for pillaging is the defensive tackle position. There are a ton of good defensive tackles available, both if you want a nose tackle and an under tackle. The especially nose tackle. I mean, you've got guys like. Mike Pennell, who has been doing a great job solidifying the Chiefs' run defense, a big reason why they were able to slow down Derrick Henry last week was because Mike Pennell was playing so damn good. Yeah. And then you got you got the high price options guy who probably going to cost a pretty penny. Guys like DJ Reader from the Houston Texans and Javon Hargate from Pittsburgh Steelers, guys who would be significant, significant, significant upgrades over anything the Dallas Cowboys have had at nose tackle in recent memory. And then you can even go down and get look at the. Uh, Slightly less priced guys like um, Danny Shelton. I know that's a favorite of a lot of guys on Cowboys Twitter from the Patriots. A big, wide-bodied space heater who has some movement skills. Yeah, it, you guys, okay. you guys need to check out. John has a whole article actually about some of these guys. So yeah. you guys make sure you check that out on uh, DallasMorningNews.com as well. Is, is Dallas is it DallasMorningNews.com or do they have a separate site for your stuff? DallasNews. DallasNews.com. Slash sports slash Cowboys. Make sure you guys checking that out. What you know yeah. it. I'm very bad at plugging my own stuff. Yeah, I'm, that's why I'm here to help you out. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, 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 let's talk about this, too, because I think this is an interesting conversation about the defensive tackle position. You know, some of the things that they've talked about that's really kind of opened things up uh, is the idea that they may be looking for some more big bodies inside to kind of play that defensive tackle position. Yes. If you're looking at this free agent market – and you're trying to find a guy who you think could help you do both, uh, a, a one-gap and a two-gap system, who could be a guy who could uh, thrive in, 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 in either of those situations. Are there any guys that kind of jump out like that uh, in the free agent market, or are these guys all pretty well-defined one-gap and versus two-gap players? Well, I would say the one guy who could do both and that has done both at a high level is DJ Reader from the Houston Texans. I mean, the Houston Houston's played a very hybrid 3-4 front that plays a lot of two and one gap principles up front. You see DJ Reader uh, playing head up and doing that kind of shock and extend two-gapping technique. And then you'll see him played shaded where he has to get upfield and penetrate his gap. And he's proven very capable in both areas. So I think he would be at the top of the list. And then there's you have another guy like Shelby Harris from the Denver Broncos, who has experience in both two-gapping and one-gapping defenses. I'd say he's a guy that's a little bit more adept at two-gapping, but he has shown capabilities of being an adept one-gapper as well. All right, and, and I thank you for, uh, for without me prompting, mentioning my very, very, very pet cat, D- DJ Reader, because uh, I, I <laughs> love that guy since the beginning. I knew you would like yeah. that. Um, let's talk about a position where uh, I feel like it's it's a, l- a little bit more problematic. I, I agree with you that, you know, and this is actually the thing that, that, that Marcus and I came up with as well, that defensive tackle looks very ripe for, for pillaging from, from, the, uh, from the undrafted free agent ranks, and especially when you compare mm-hmm. it to what's going on in the, in the, in the draft. I, I think that uh, it, it feels like if you're not going to get one of those top two defensive tackles in, in the first round, uh, mm-hmm. you're probably going to get something, you know, in the mid to low second round. And yeah. I, I kind of feel like if you're looking to make an improvement here, especially right away, uh, defensive yeah. tackle is the spot to go to for sure. Uh, on the other side of this, I think that 
you know, safety is the other position that we, you know, you really have looked at uh, as as needing to be stabilized, upgraded, whatever you want to call it. It's the other position that I feel like has been ignored for a long time, and, and it probably can't be ignored any longer. Uh, mm. Do you have a preference in general about getting, or, or do you, you know, looking at what we what we've got with Mike Nolan, and you've poured through the playbooks like I have. Uh, do you have a preference in whether they get a, a a more versatile you know safety that they can move around both him and Xavier Woods? Do you like the idea of getting a guy who is just a down safety uh, and allowing Woods to play back in the back kind of more full time? Or I mean, what what are your thoughts like if in an ideal world where John Oning was the defensive backs coach? Would you prefer them to kind of mix and match their safeties and use them in a whole variety of different ways? Or do you think that there is better utility in finding specific roles for those players and then having them play like that? I do think in today's defense and today against today's offenses that that interchangeability is more important and more valuable to a defense. But Having said that, I still think that you can be effective and successful having just one down safety. It's just a matter of preference, really. I personally prefer the interchangeability of safeties. That way you can be more flexible with your alignments and you can disguise your coverages a little bit better. But I could totally understand the argument for having just a down safety and a free safety, letting them focus in on their specific roles and being able to really refine their skills in those roles rather than trying to, like, grab from so many bowls and trying to be good at so many different things. Yeah, I, I think I, – I, I may agree with you. I, I, I kind of go back and forth with this, and, I, and I'm still not 100% mm-hmm. sure on what the Cowboys are going to do yet with with, yeah. with their with their defensive backfield. But uh, I think that there is some value. I think it's also easier shopping, right? Like, I think mm-hmm. it's easier to go find a guy that's uh, focused at, at a certain yeah. spot. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess – you know that's something to that I would keep in mind too is that you know if the Cowboys just continue to not be able to find that great versatile guy, why not just find a guy who could be a solid box safety and then allow Woods to do his thing until you can kind of find a replacement. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah, because that's the problem. Thing is, is Woods has kind of a interchangeable skill set because one of his best uh, traits is his ability to be a robber as that rat in that low hole in cover one and cover three. You know, he does so, such a good job of filling those intermediate routes and jumping, jumping those routes for turnover to opportunities. He just hasn't really been good at converting those turnover to opportunities. But I can understand why the Cowboys would feel a little iffy about taking away that aspect of Xavier Woods' game. Yeah, I, I, I could totally see that too. Uh, final thing before we go. And thank you so much for joining us. Can I give you guys a little uh, under-the-radar oh, option? Please, yes, free agent? please. I got one. A guy that you guys should keep an eye on is J. Ron Kirsch from yes. uh, the Minnesota Vikings. He is a guy he played in the backup role with the Vikings for all four of his careers. Came into the NFL as a really rough project, but he's developed really nicely. He's become their kind of utility uh, defensive back. He's played in the slot against big slots. He's covered tight ends. He plays in the box. He plays. He doesn't play... He plays very little single high safety deep, playing the deep middle, but he plays a ton of those split safety coverages and quarters coverage that you know Mike Zimmer loves. Yeah. So um, he's, but he's most comfortable in and around the box, but he's a type of guy that 
you could still get cheap because he doesn't have that many snaps, but he's ascending. He could be like a Shaq Barrett-esque kind of low-risk, high-reward type free agent signing, I think. Ooh, nice. Uh, that's that, that, yeah, somebody that, that, who you that, ca- you're catching on the ascension. You know how to sell that. That was a very, yeah. very nice job. Um, <laughs> before we go, you know, I know that you have not had the opportunity, like a lot of people, to kind of dive into the draft uh, the way that you know a lot of the people that f- study draft prospects all year long uh, have. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts, though, just kind of going in generally on? What what the seventeenth pick looks like for the Cowboys? I mean, I think you consume you know draft media like we we all kind of do. Uh, you, maybe we don't know the third and fourth round prospects yet. Maybe we don't know the sleeper guys that we hope they pick later yet. But I, mm-hmm. I think you know we kind of have a general lay of the land on what's going to happen around seventeen, or at least w- the way it is right now before the combine and all that stuff. Yeah. As it lays right now, and, and and you kind of know the names that are supposed to be available at this point. Where do you think the Cowboys' you know best option would be? Like, like let's. I'll, I, let me let me narrow it down for you. If we get to seventeen, and Javon Kinlaw, uh, Grant Delpit, Xavier McKinney, um, Henry Ruggs are all there, okay. Who who are you taking and and, and why and, oh. and 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 maybe you don't need to choose a specific guy but like give me your thought process on where the Cowboys' best path of 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 getting what they need out of this draft starts in this draft. See, if you lay that scenario out for me, it'd be tough for me to pass on a guy like Henry Ruggs, who could be such a explosive weapon for Dak Prescott and the Cowboys' offense. I think. I mean, my entire theme of this entire process has been to maximize Dak, and I don't think there's any better way to do that than adding a weapon such as Henry Ruggs. I'm not saying that they should reach for a receiver, but if there's a receiver as talented, as fast, as explosive as Henry Ruggs, who can really change an offense with his speed and really dictate coverage, that's the kind of guy that I'm going to want. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, it's funny because I keep – I keep kind of coming back to this too. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I think that if the if it if it if it comes down to that, and, and, and if he's there, that the Cowboys at least have to consider it, just simply because he's a rare talent, you know. And, mm-hmm. and I think that that's that's the thing. It's not just a good wide receiver; it's a speed wide receiver that that can tilt the the, the defense by himself. So I tend to agree, mm-hmm. John. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, give everybody again the the website that they can go to to see your stuff. DallasNews.com slash sports slash cowboys. Guys, make sure you're going and clicking, click, click, click on all of John's stuff, please. Uh, and that's it for us. Uh, until next week, we'll, we'll we'll be back. Marcus will be back as well next week. Uh, we'll talk Senior Bowl. We'll we'll talk. Uh, you know what's next for free agency. There's still tons of stuff going around. So. Uh, And it'll be Super Bowl week, so there will be a lot to talk about. So uh, until then, happy trails, everybody.